Well, good morning, everybody. Um, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> so um, this morning I am I'm going back old school with Exodus. Um, my, my little teaching here is entitled Face to Face, which is one of my uh, it's because it's from one of the coolest relational episodes uh, with the Lord, in my opinion. Um, and so uh, it was really neat for me. I'll, I'll, uh, it was really neat to, for me to go into this scripture and look at it. And having known this story for a very long time, you know, uh, I honestly, thinking about it this morning, I was like, have I ever studied this part or have I just like heard t the teaching of it or from being a kid like and just not ever really looked into it because there were some things when I was studying it and I was like oh well that's interesting or no he didn't or like I didn't know he said that things like that so uh, it'll be interesting I'll bring those moments up when I can um, here and there but I'm going to start though before we dig into the scripture um, and before I actually explain what what I'm actually talking about I think you know already but I, I wanted to give a couple of uh, back well one background thing and then I have a little anecdote later um, one little background thing of how I ended the little rabbit trail of how I got to this scripture because I didn't I, was, I had one thought and I'll explain uh, rather than explaining the explanation I'll explain just the one um, so a number of weeks ago you know there was a hurricane that hit the eastern side of the states and um, of course you know I have very strong connections with Florida and so I was on the phone with one of their houses um, the day after the big brunt of the hurricane hit and again if you didn't know our our Saints family there they were all preserved their property was preserved they just had a lot of flooding um, and uh, nothing major, praise God. Uh, but I was on the phone with them, and everything was fine. Nothing had happened. You know, the storm had passed. They still had some rain, but it had moved on. Um, everything was good. And while I was on the phone, they, well, they were like, oh, yeah, no, we haven't lost power or nothing. And then the power went down. Uh, and I heard them, and they said this, that every time it's after the storm is gone, our power goes out. And I was like, there's a sermon in that. And I was like, ooh, I'm teaching Sunday school in a couple weeks. And the message that I still, it, this is totally, it, it ended up being unrelated to what I landed on. But I felt like I should still share that the thought of being vigilant after the storm has passed. I know we've, this is a common thought for us, but just a reminder that, you know, once that battle is done, when you're in a time of peace, that's not a time to get lazy. It's not a time to relax and think, oh, man, now I can take a rest and not have to worry about, you know, standing in the gap, not have to worry about interceding, not have to uh, focus on my relationship with God, but instead, no, you need to keep that going because, yeah, the storm may have passed, but hey, your power might go out. <laughs> you better watch it. That's you're not in the clear. Um, stay, stay vigilant. Stay uh, faithful. But that was that was my message. So I did look. I was looking in scripture. Um, I had uh, all sorts of funny titles going through my mind of what I could teach on from that. And um, one was an iteration of "Watch Your Backside," um, <laughs> but unfortunately. 
I know, right? I know, but I was looking, I was looking in the scripture, and I was like, I don't see, you know, after the storm, and and hey, hey, if you find it, you let me know, but I wasn't finding a lot about that in the scripture, but still, nevertheless, I believe that's a word for us to to know uh, from the Lord. So, in the end, me trying to look up, you know, thinking about the back or the behind or the after effects of the storm really the back side of the storm it brought me to that this the episode with Moses and seeing the Lord but seeing his uh what what was the term was the hind parts of the Lord which I always thought was kind of funny but um so that's what we're going to be looking at here um so I, there was a bunch, like many chapters for this whole kind of episode. Um, really what's interesting is that to me, again, just placing it in context was really fascinating, realizing like, I know this happened, you know, I knew this as, as a kid, I'd known this story um, where Moses asked, Lord, let me see you. I, I'm going to tell you just my, my rundown, like, basic version from when I was a kid. Like, oh, Lord, let me see your face. It's what I, which is, yeah. Um, let me see your face. And he's like, nah, you can't, but I'll let you see my backside. And so he hides him, and then he removes and lets him see just part of him. And so that's, that's the story. That's all I got in my mind. I was like, okay, that's, that's what I knew. Um. Uh, but the whole surrounding of it is really a, a, t- a time of where Moses is doing some hardcore intercession for the ridiculous Israelites who just constantly are doing something ridiculous for real. So let me give you, I, I didn't give you all of the scripture because it was just so much. So uh, let me give you kind of a rundown again, teacher mode. I'm going to go... Uh, and like tell you a story so this is the time um where Moses goes up to Mount Horeb to meet with the Lord and receive the instructions for the tabernacle as well as the first round of the Ten Commandments um and then because he's gone so long the this is so dumb and it has to be some sort of spiritual like I don't know the stupid I'm sorry I'm I'm being a little crass about it but like the stupid stuff the Israelites did like there have to be some some reasons why these happen because it's like if you're oh my gosh I mean I know we do dumb stuff as humans but like okay well he's gone we don't know when he's coming back make some idols for us that's really great and the thing I I was looking at when I saw that was I saw uh, they asked Aaron to make this for him and he's like okay like there's there's no like I don't even when I looked at it it's like oh he doesn't you watch the movie and you're like well oh no oh but he just yeah no in the in the in the scripture it's just like all right give me your gold i'll do it it's it i don't know there's probably a lot of study behind a lot of these things i'm just telling you the story as i read it uh myself um and then so then god gets so mad and he's and i like he regularly they regularly call the people stiff-necked these stiff-necked people and he's he, he's so mad and he's like I'm gonna get rid of them and the thing I did not remember was in fact that God said I'm done with this I'm getting rid of them and you know what I'm gonna make a nation out of you Moses I've forgotten that 
that he was like, I'm starting over. <laughs> starting over with you, which he's done that before. Um, and But Moses interceded at that point. He's like, oh, no. Um, then Moses goes down, and I thought it was funny that he reacts in the same way that God did, like the, his anger was waxed hot. Like that's those same words were used, so Moses sees it, and he, he gets the same reaction that God had given. And... I, again, I do think it's it's very Moses to just totally throw down the the commandments and break them, like because that was his downfall. Not the same way, but where he hit the rock instead of prophesying to it. I think that's kind of an interesting failing of him. Grateful that he didn't have major repercussions for breaking those commandments, uh, or breaking literally breaking those commandments. Um, and then he sent the Levites to go out and kill about three thousand men. So not all of them, at least, but a lot. And so then Moses, he's like, okay, he goes back to God. And he's like, okay, yeah, that was, that was terrible. Um, I think it's, it's almost like in, when I was reading it, it's like, oh, do you, he was telling him what happened. Like the Lord didn't know. Um, but, and then God, again, another thing that I didn't remember, I'm sorry, I'm giving you all this context before we even dig into this. Um, but uh, God then from at this point is like, you know what? You go on to the promised land. I made that promise. You take them. I'm not going. <laughs> and that's another thing I didn't remember from this. I like that. Oh, man. I'm like, oh, God. I, I, I see you, Lord. Where he's like, I'm not going with them because I will legit, like, kill them. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> on the way. <laughs> and I was like, yep. Yep, Lord, I got you. Um, so, uh, and I did keep that scripture here, and I'll look at it here in a second. But the response, just to, again, give a general idea here. Once the people hear that the Lord's like, these people are ridiculous. I'm not going with them. And, and then they respond with mourning, of course. And they remove their ornaments, kind of a fasting type of thing here. Um, and so there is this kind of a fast that happens. Uh, it's not called that, but an interesting kind of a fasting that occurs uh, of repentant, repentance here. And Moses' response was to also remove the tabernacle from the camp and calling it a tabernacle of the congregation. Um, or people have to go outside the camp to go seek the Lord. So let's go ahead and look at Exodus 33, verse 3. I gave this one, and then I skipped a bit, and then gave verse 7 and on. Um, but I did want to include this. So this is where the Lord says, For I will not go up in the midst of thee, for thou art a stiff-necked people, lest I consume thee in the way. Um, that I, I underlined, I think that was late last night where I underlined it because for me I don't you almost can skip over it because you think oh a lot of times he says I will go with you I will go with you and he's like no nah, I will not go with you but I wanted to point out that that in the midst is a little bit of a different term from what's used elsewhere in this whole scripture and it's that word kereb which is among at going among you makes sense going but it's also within you in the inward part so that I'm not going to go with you has another level of going in, uh, go, being inside and, and moving with you in that way. Um, I thought that was an interesting thing. All right, moving on though. So to verse 7. And Moses took the tabernacle, pitched it, out, uh, pitched it without the camp, afar off from the camp, and called it the, tabernac 
the tabernacle of the congregation. And it came to pass that every one which sought the Lord went out into the tabernacle of the congregation, which was without the camp. All right. And it came to pass when Moses went out unto the tabernacle that all the people rose up and stood Nasab, every man at his tent door and looked after Moses. They watched Moses until he was gone into the tabernacle. So first, looking at that, that so every time, and you know Moses wasn't just going every Sunday or Saturday. He was going a lot. Every time he would go to the tabernacle, they would stand vigil and watch him until he got in there, and then we'll talk about what they do after. But that word nasab, it's not Peretz. I was thinking, that's a Peretz thing, but it really feels like a Peretz where you're standing in the gap in that place of in their home in their terio there um, that word's kind of to me very military in a way it's to take one stand or to be stationed um, so I thought that was pretty good but so that that's the first thing they do and then and reading on to verse 9 and it came to pass as Moses entered into the tabernacle the cloudy pillar descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle and the Lord talked with Moses and all the people saw the cloudy pillar stand at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose up and worshipped Saha, every man, in his tent door. So they're staying in that tent door, and that word Saha, we see it a few times, is to bow down, to prostrate oneself in worship. So that's like the, our Greek pneumatikos. Not pneumatikos, proskuneo. I'm tired. Uh, starts with a P. <laughs> but uh, but they they prostrate themselves there, and like I said, it's it is like this kind of a fast in a way. If you think about that, it's it's an act before the Lord every time. So while while Mo and I wonder how long Moses is in the tabernacle. It's that's a lot of time I'm thinking, because he's talking with him. Uh, yeah, he's talking with him a lot. We're gonna see that expression of in just a moment how they talk actually right here verse 11 and the Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaks unto his friend and he turned again to the camp uh, but his servant Joshua the son of Nun a young man departed not out of the tabernacle um, looking at this face to face that, that's that's I just love it I, I honestly this is uh, this is one of the, to me, loveliest visions of an intimate relationship with our God that we can see in Scripture. And that, that word, pa panim, I'm just, yeah, I did not look up the pronunciations, and you know how I am with pronunciations in other languages, but forgive me because these are going to not be good. But panim, however it's pronounced, it means a lot of things. We're going to see it a number of times here. But it means face. It means presence. It also means heaviness. Um, I also included for you guys that it also can be an adverb of location um, or even like time. So it can be before, behind. It can be toward, in front of, forward, formally, formerly, uh, or from before time, before. So there's, there's kind of this image of the past as well, which is weird. Um, if you're talking about face and presence, you, I would think, why is that word the same thing? But I, the reason why I, hint, I, I put that in there is because later there's another time thing that is the presence or the image of the Lord 
and it's about time in a different way. Um, but here, though, it's really that presence, that face. Um, and also, to me, I see a lot of double issuances throughout this these chapters, which is all, always a kind of a a signal for me. Like, wow, this is really intense. This is a, this this com- completeness of this relationship and purpose of the Lord in a lot of ways. So that communication, panim panim, that face-to-face communication is so special. And another layer of that intimacy here is that ma- that word for man and that word for friend there. The word for man here, is, um, which is not which is a different word for man than you see in other places it means man in contrast to god which is interesting because he's saying well god like a man talks so it's it's funny um also you know man in contrast to woman but it also can mean husband it also can mean steward which is interesting and then the word for friend can mean brother companion friend husband or lover. These are. This is an intimate, close relationship. Is what I'm bringing bringing up here. I mean, I know we know this. A man speaking to his friend is always. We've, we've always thought like that's wow, that's a closeness. But it's even. It's got that extra layer of intimacy in this friendship. Um, and he turned again to the camp. I already said that. Um. So, but before I move on, though, one of the little anecdote that I had was that before I dug into this scripture um, earlier yesterday, I had my little, my little not so little nieces and little bitty nephew uh, at my house hanging out with Grandma and Papa and chomping at the bit to come up and, and come see Aunt KK, who was holed up in her study working on this. <laughs> but, um, so one of them came upstairs and was talking to me. Uh, they had gone to the Creation Science Museum last week with their school, which is really neat. And she was she was being very studious, and she had her books with her, and she had a little notebook, and she was like, "Let me ask. I want to ask you." She was asking me some questions about some things, and she was had a pen and was going to take notes. And I was like, "Okay." Um, so at one point I did send her down to talk to Papa about it because I was like, well, Papa knows. Papa knows the answer to that question really well. I, I, and I, was, I said the same thing Papa did, but I just did not say it with enough confidence. Um, but she was talking to me about this and, and creation and stuff. But then um, it came up. I know they, they grow up in this house, and, but it's, it's got to be an interesting thing to, to grow up and this be what you know to grow up in, in a pneumatikos pathway. And yes, they're in a Christian school, obviously, if that's where they went on a field trip. Um, but that's a totally different, that's a general church school. So they do get to see both sides of it, but not, but I'm sure it's a very different perspective. Um, but so we were talking about the fall of, of Lucifer <laughs> yeah, these are deep conversations you have with a ten-year-old, which is good. Um, and but the the reason, well, sorry, I should say, the redemption of creation, and how the earth needs to be restored to God's glory. And she, we were just talking about it, and I was like, well, that's why it's really special 
what we have with the Lord, because a lot of other Christians only know him on the surface or know him in a small way or don't really want to know him in a deeper way um, or don't know that there is a deeper understanding of the Lord. And it's such a blessing to us that we get to know God in such a close way, to know and speak to him and hear from him in a deeper way and partner with him in restoring the earth and she was looking at me like huh okay <laughs> and I was like you, you've heard a lot of this stuff but I'm I'm just expressing like this is just such a gift it's such a gift and that and when then when I was studying this scripture I was like oh yes this is what I was talking to her about and I was thinking I should have said this and I should have said this too when I was talking to her but you know it's okay but it is just such a lovely vision here of this relationship and and just such an encouragement of wow we have this opportunity as well to be able to speak face to face with the Lord um so that was just an aside but uh let me make sure that was all I was going to say about that yes yes okay um let's look at uh, let's go ahead and continue by looking at chapter uh, verse 12 so and Moses said unto the so Moses now we're getting to see what the Lord is uh, what this conversation is um, now this is interesting so I might be putting this to some of you guys to comment on here um, just because there were some things where I was like okay that's interesting oh. uh, so Moses said to the Lord so again remember we're still in the situation where the people have done stupid stuff and the Lord's like, I'm straight up, I'm out. I'm not doing this. You can go on without me. Um, but they're praying and seeking the Lord and, and very penitent. So Moses is talking to the Lord and he says, See, thou sayest unto me, bring up this people, and thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. So I think that's an interesting way to ask that. Because I think the Lord was pretty clear. He's like, I'm not going. And he did say, actually, uh, he said that he was like, well, I, I, I cut it out. But he, he referenced the promise that he had made that he would send an angel before him. So, okay, an angel. There we go. But he's not going. But so instead of saying, well, Lord, are you sure you don't want to come? It's like, well, who are you going to send with me? Like, well, I thought it was pretty clear. I was sending you on your own. Um, so continuing, Moses says, yet thou hast said, I know thee by name. And thou hast also found grace in my sight. So this is kind of a, a remembrance in a way where he says, okay, you've told me, you know me by name. That word yada, I put that in there. Um, and that I have found grace in thy sight. So I actually tried to look up where else this was said to Moses, like where the Lord said this before, and I didn't really see it. Uh, maybe I just missed it, but it was interesting. So, um, so he says this, you told me this now, therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, that grace in thy sight is going to be repeated like four times here. If I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way that I might, uh, that I may know thee. So he asks first show, but it's yada. Let me know your way, your pathway, um, so that I can yada know you. So he hasn't gotten to the point where he's asking to see his glory or his face or whatever the word. I remembered face, but I think it's glory here. Yes, it's glory here. Um, 
that I may find grace in thy sight. So again, he said, but if I found grace in thy sight, do this, and so I might find grace in thy sight. This is an, it's an interesting, it's, it keeps being called up here. And consider, Ra'ah, that this nation is thy people. So cons- that Ra'ah, that, that an analytical perception there, that seeing, perceiving, observing, discerning, distinguishing. Really look at this and see that this nation is your people. And he said, and God said, my presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. So presence being panim, again, go is yalak, which is go, walk, come, proceed, lead, or carry. And I will give thee rest, nuach, which is rest. But I thought that was an interesting word there. And then Moses responds, and this is why I have a question here. Moses responds, if your presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. So I was kind of looking at that, and I was thinking, well, why did he have to say that when he just said, well, okay, my presence will go with you, and I'll give you rest. Well, if you don't go with me, I'm not going. Interesting. Um, I will take, if you if you have comments on that, you can let me know. Um, because I, I, I have in all caps in my notes, why does he say this here? <laughs> I don't know. I think there's a reason, but I'm missing it. Um, so, yeah, just looking out there, seeing if there's any. All right. So, but then continuing. For wherein shall it be known that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? So earlier, these, all these grace in my sight things or grace in thy sight things were for Moses himself. Like if I have found grace in thy sight. If I, you said I have found grace in your sight. But now, how can everybody else see that the people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not in that thou goest with us, so that we shall be separated or set apart, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth? So he's reminding, kind of saying, like, well, these are, he's kind of declaring these things that the Lord has been saying all this time about the Israelites. Well, you're set apart. You're my people. You have found grace in my sight. But they're ridiculous, and I understand absolutely why the Lord is like, nah, I'm over it. Um, but it, Moses is interceding for the people here. And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken, which is interesting, debar, debar. Hmm. For thou hast found great, for thou, is he talking about the people? I don't think so. He's talking about Moses again. Thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. Just like he said before, where Moses had said that statement, like, but you said this about me, and the Lord's like, yes, that is, yes, this is true. It's a confirmation of that promise spoken to Moses. And honestly, it actually, this, this little scene reminds me of Abraham when he is trying to, to intercede for the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. And he's like, but uh, if there's like 10 people, yeah, per adventure, per adventure. But he does have this conversation, and I see this relationship um, parallel, and I see this, this, again, this intercession where it's like, okay, sure, I, I will give mercy for your sake, honestly. I feel like that was the same situation with Abraham. Unfortunately, with Sodom and Gomorrah, there was 
clearly not enough, clearly not even that little bit of people. Um, they, 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 they got it. But, uh, so yes. Um, and then, so all of this, talking about all of this, and the Lord then is that, gives that confirmation of that promise, and then Moses changes his request. So he had asked for to know the way of the Lord and to know the Lord. But now he has asked this big question. He says, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. Now this isn't yada like it was show before. This is ra'ah. So let me, again, see it in this analytical way, being able to really observe the kabod of the Lord. And the Lord doesn't, I like that the Lord doesn't lead with, nah, can't do that. He does say that, but first, though, he says, okay, I will make all my goodness, my tobe, pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee. Uh, I'll talk about that in a second. And will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. Um, so a few things to unpack in that one. Again, tobe, we know. I think it's interesting because I feel like a lot of most of the time it's weird, weird to declare and proclaim the goodness of the Lord and things like that. But it's the Lord here declaring, proclaiming the name of the Lord. And by the way, all of these lords are um, Yahweh, unless I, unless I make note of it, because um, there's a difference later. So that's important to know too. Um, but the funny thing here is you see that panim used. Again, that was face and presence. But here it's reused in that kind of location thing. So I'll proclaim the name of Yahweh before thee. That's that word. Um, it's interesting. But I think it's an in, it's it's makes a lot of sense to use that unique word in a situation where we're talking about seeing the face of the Lord and his presence and all of that. Um, in that same verse, though, that I'll be gracious to whom I'll be gracious, I'll show mercy on whom I'll show mercy. Again, that one, the only words that you could click on in, in the Bible study program was gracious, gracious, mercy, mercy. So I will proclaim the name of the Lord, Panim, and gracious, gracious, or grace, grace, mercy, mercy. Again, we've got these, those double issuance things, which is interesting. Um, and when he does do this later, he does declare that, but he says a whole lot more. And then here's where he kind of says, okay, well, yes, I will do this. He said, you can't see me. You can't ra'ah my face. That panim, again, panim. For there shall no man ra'ah me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me, and thou shalt stand upon a rock, and, I will, and it shall come to pass, while my glory passeth by, that I will put thee in the cliff of the rock, and will cover thee with my hand. This is not yod. This is cat which means the hollow of the hand or palm, while I pass by, and I will take away my hand, again, cup, and thou shalt see my back parts, which is ahor, which we'll look at, but my face, panim, shall not be seen. So that back parts word, ahor, is the hinder part, 
But there were a couple other things I thought were really interesting. And I, you know, I, I always think you guys have probably studied this scripture ad infinitum and you probably know these words super well. And it's just, if, if so, it's just a nice little reminder. If, <laughs> if you're like, oh yeah, I've studied that before. But look at this. So it is the hinder parts, but it also is directional and it's also timing just like Panim was. But it's, if you look at that, it actually, if you're facing north, it's the west. And when I was thinking about that, when I was typing it in, I was, you know, just kind of direct, I'm directionally challenged. So I, I was thinking, okay, if I'm facing north, I put my, ar my left arm out to show like, okay, that's west. And I was like, oh, that's my left hand. That's interesting. That's where that's where the sun sets. It's the completion of the day. That's that, you know, you have your right hand of promise and that sila in between, and then you have the left hand of completion and fulfillment. And I thought, huh, that's interesting. The other thing too was that, again, thinking about timing, the timing element of this word is that it's the time to come. So it's more of a future thing. Versus panim, which was the time that's past. It's really interesting. So I kind of wondered about that, like why? You can't see, yes, it's God's face, but does it have that element of the, the deeper things, the mysteries of the past that aren't really allowed to be seen, but we're allowed to see the, or Moses at least, is allowed to see kind of some of the stuff that is to come. Interesting. I don't know. Yes, sir. Oh. I think I think that we don't really talk a lot about um, the face of God and timing uh, because he's he's timeless. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, as opposed to us who have a modicum of being the same. But I'm not the same person. I can't. I guess I kind of am, as I was when I was 17 but I'm far different than I was then. But God is the same. And so when you're with God, or when you're, when you're at his throne, or you're communing with him, face to face, or circle to circle, you know, that circle is timeless. So he's the end from the beginning. He's the Alpha and the Omega all at the same time. So um, we have to remember that you know, I think it's interesting that the combination of these two things, you know, you'll see my hind parts, my hinder parts, which is as Mark has taught and I've taught over the past few months, really indicates the time of the glory has gone by, you're under the, the, the palm of the hand, you're able to come and see how God has done, well, not maybe not how God has done something, but you're able to see what has occurred as, as the glory has been being revealed, and you're able to reflect on where he's had you, what he said, and look how he did this, but you're not counseling as he's doing it. So you have, you have that, which is truly the fulfillment of the left hand. But you also have this timelessness of his face, which is going forward. It's like the circle of his ways. It's, it's going forward, but it's also looking back. And 
And to be in the midst, as you mentioned earlier, is to really stay focused on the fact that how many times are in the midst in the scripture? You know, two or three are gathering together in my name, there am I in the midst. Well, you know, Jesus is right here. Well, Paul says, my moderation be known to all men. You have to stay balanced with an eye toward what's coming, but remembering what he's shown and what he said. So you have this confluence of the hinder parts under the palm of the hand, but you also have the face, which is looking forward and looking back. Maybe it's the wheel within the wheel. Probably. But the circle within the circle. So, you know, I can see how people would say, I don't understand that. Let's just move on. Let's just talk about getting an answer to prayer now and over in the glory land. But God is timeless. When we're before the throne with our finite mentality, we're doing things for the future, for eternity. We're laying in store things that we're going to be doing with him, seeding things a thousand years from now or farther. And that's hard for us to conceive. The thesaurus of our tetheme is rooted in heaven. And, you know, yeah, we're here. We remember his promise. We, we try to remember what we've learned. But we're also looking forward. And his, his face is both of those. And, and that's, that's that central perspective. But Moses, you know, God didn't take the time to explain all that to Moses. <laughs> did he? Now, Moses was wise. He was moving and anointing. But God just said, let me tell you about my face. <laughs> you don't explain. have to explaining anything about his face it's to true. Moses. He just keeps meeting face to face with him. But he does explain a little bit about, you stay here in the cleft of the rock, I'm going to cover you with my hand, the palm of my hand. My glory is going to pass by, but you're not counseling me. You're not, going to, you're not going to see it. You're not going to tell me what you think about it. And when it's all fulfilled, I'll remove my hand. So the other question is, what... What did God actually complete in that glory? Were you going to talk about that? No, I, I, that's a, that is a question that I had. So. You know, his glory passes by, he removes his hand, Moses sees it. But what did God really do there? Was this setting the stage like so often is the case for us? When we pray about something, we're before the throne. We, prophetically, we have, we have seeds that are in the, 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 the place of hope. And, you know, we're... We're, we're calling on the Lord is, is that removing of the hand something that we keep you know like as the film develops as we've said we keep accessing even though it's already done it's not fulfilled yet and that moment in the Lord has set the stage for us to partner with him now my feeling and I can't prove this is as his glory passed by, it was really setting the stage for what was coming. And Moses was going to be a recipient of that. And because he spent time with God in his hand, he could then draw from that as he went forward. But obviously, when this happened, there wasn't a whole lot changed down below. I mean, if anything, it looked worse. But, but Moses, of all people, 
was being invested into with the glory which which was and is and is to come. And a lot of it hadn't come yet. It, it, it's it's mind-boggling. It's the space-time continuum. We need Doc Brown to explain it to you. I'm sorry, I just went off. No, I, that was what I was hoping for. Because it is, it's it's really a cool scripture where you're seeing just a little glimpse. And again, you just like you said, it's not, you know, the Lord wasn't explaining this to Moses. And this is written by Moses. So you think about it. This is what Moses' understanding is or what, and perhaps he understood more and is not permitted to write it down. And I think that was what I was excited about when you were mentioning that because that was the point where in the next chapter there in verse 8, no, uh, Moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped Prosmineo there. Again, to use Greek instead of Hebrew. Yeah. But, but, and I wrote down, I wonder what happened here because we don't have it recorded, you yeah. know. And see, verse 20 is always a problem for people mm. because it says, you cannot raw my face. But then other scripture says, you see me face to face. So some people, when we talk about, I remember teaching about this in India. No, not this, but about the face of the Lord. And one old wise guy raised his hand and said, but God said not to, he would not show his face. And so we had to go through that thing. Is the scripture confused? But this is a ra'ah. Mm -hmm. This is, you're, you're not going to shepherd me. You're not going to find, you're, you're not going to be able to look and analytically discern what my face is doing. You're going to participate in my face. You're going to enjoy my face. But it's, it's the same thing about counseling. You're not going to counsel me. You, you know, you're not going to be able to do that. I think that's interesting. But some people find that and they say, see there, the word of God is conflicting itself. You will not see my face. And then it says, you will see my face. But it's this business of ra'ai, the face. And, and the whole context here is, you know, you're, 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 you're here. I, I want you here. But know your limits with me. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I'm just, yeah, I'm just I, you know, to piggyback off that, I mean, <clears throat> the thing that people are missing the most there is this is one person and he's in the moment. And there's so much timing involved. If you're not in that moment like he was, you're you're not gonna understand it. So it wasn't just like you said, I mean it wasn't the fact that he um, oh we can't see his face and live. Okay, well how do these other people live and see the face? But but there that just shows their the relationship is not at this friendship level. And therefore, they don't understand it. Yeah. And it's not an elite kind of a thing. But the other thing that I wanted to focus on, you, you already kind of go in that direction, but <coughs> it's interesting how Mo Moses was given the opportunity to discern the turning of the face that was walking away from him. <laughs> which speaks of the duality of, of, of our mode in that moment. I mean, he wasn't seeing the face. He, 
was his difference. So he, he saw the face color, then he's he's seeing the face at a different angle, but yet at the same time, the, all the goodness in that moment is overtaking him. And it is an overwhelming experience at a totally different level. Maybe not at a different level, at a totally different understanding level. So I know more about that now than I ever, ever knew 20 years ago. I think we were experiencing it, but the removing of the hand, we were being covered by the hand so much, but now he's removing the hand, I think even from 20 years ago, and we're allowed to experience things that are off the charts. Um, and, and I'm gonna add something else real quick that some people do not understand. God's very repetitive in some ways. Why would he say grace, grace, mercy, mercy, um, holy, holy, holy in heaven all the time. Uh, Elijah, what are you doing here? What are you doing? What are you doing? Three different times. What's your purpose here? Why are you here? And and something came up recently where someone said, well, people, why do you keep saying the same thing over and over again? And I'm like, well, don't you know God does that? Because he realizes how easy it is for us to forget what he said. You know, the whole book of the remembrance thing is still something we need to keep reminding ourselves of. So, um, and Katie, I'll, 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 I'm going to say this to you. This came about because of your, your new video you released. And somebody said to me recently about it, they said, well, man, I really wish you would have said something. She kept saying the same thing over and over again. And I'm like, well, you obviously don't know the scripture because you're going to be bored. You will absolutely be bored because heaven is focused on Holy, holy, holy. They don't know the scripture. It's the same principle at play. It's timing. Because other people see the face, and yet they don't die. So how do you explain that? We have some incredible nuggets in the thesaurus. That, I mean, it is just... And when people are... When you release that to people, I think there is something that just... God, God wants to use that as a point of dunamis in their heart to explode them into something they never, ever understood or experienced. And, and so, anyway, there's, there's, there's so much to this one chapter. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> well, Moses had a lot of <coughs> mighty encounters with God, but if you think about the day-to-day -day aggravations he had <laughs> with the people yep. of Israel, and... Uh, we know this principle well, at least I do, I'll tell you, mm -hmm. that God will hide himself. You know, I'm going along and I'm going along and I'm going along and all of a sudden, you know, it's been wonderful, what a great journey, and all of a sudden it's like I'm in this great pursuit to find him and to know what his purpose is at that point in time. Well, obviously, this is a principle for all of us, and it was a principle in the Old Testament. And so him saying, you know, in 15, if thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. Oh, I'm sure he had some challenging times from those day-to-day -day encounters with the people. And he may have not known, you know, because he didn't hear from God. God was hiding himself. So, you know, it's not going to be a mighty encounter on the mountaintop every time right. with the Lord. 
You know, you have to walk by faith, and you have to pursue him with all that's within you to know what to do. And it doesn't, you know, you don't start praying and, okay, I'll know in an hour here. No, I don't know what I'm going to know. It could be days. It could be weeks. But you just keep on going, and you trust God. And I think that was happening to him. I agree. Yeah, it's it's definitely and yeah, that is true. That is with the we get to see this incredible encounter here. But yeah, I'm pretty sure this wasn't a well, not pretty sure this wasn't an everyday thing. But it was built off of that everyday encountering with the Lord and pursuing the Lord. Yeah, that that's and just as Mark was saying too, it's just through that it comes from that friendship. <coughs> that relationship, that that constant sowing into, which is... I mean, if we did, if, if God detailed every little minute thing he wanted him to know, right. where's the journey in that? There's That's no, true. There's no fun in it. There's no, <coughs> we're, we're, we're like puppets, you know? We don't want to be like other people in the government right now that are puppets. We want to learn and experience, and that, that's part of knowing God in a much, much deeper level. Well, it's the same way. <coughs> Sorry, same. I was talking earlier, joking earlier about uh, how my my teaching sheet is, and you know, once a teacher, always a teacher. And you know, as a teacher, yes, you could stand up in front of a class and you could say, "Here, let me tell you all the details of all of these things. Let me just basically read you out an explanation of my entire subject." But your students aren't going to necessarily take that in and appreciate it. And, and internalize it and take ownership of it unless you have, you can, it's the best way is to give them a little bit here and have them work towards the next thing, give them a little figure bit there. Yeah, they figure it out. And that's how our brains are wired. That's how we're made. It's, it's, and, and, uh, and who made who made us? Huh, God made us that way for a reason, to be able to, to really internalize something through that action and that development of the thing, which, yeah, which, yes, I'm sure you can, you can learn from a situation where it's like, let me just tell you how it is, but it's, nobody likes that. So boring. Very few people like sleep. that. I mean, it just. It's true. I yeah. Mean, our educational system is filled with that. Right, yeah. And I mean, we've all sat in those classes. Sorry, I could really go <laughs> I know. Day, We're in a, a room with a bunch of teachers, <laughs> bunch of teachers right here. I think uh, we have too, to, um, you know, when God tells us something, to kind of repeat it back to him, because, like when he says, you know, my glory is going to go with you, he says, okay, well, just so you know, if your glory doesn't go with me, right. I'm not going to go. Yep. <laughs> I think I've, you know, that's a conversation I've kind of had, you know, God tells me something, I'm like, okay, because if you don't do that, this is, this will, you know, so I think that's a pretty normal response. <laughs> right, it's but, true. You know, someone tell, even if someone tells you something, say, well, I'm going to do this. Right. Okay, well, you don't, you don't do it. You know what I mean? You kind of reiterate the, you know, how things are going to go if they don't do what they say. Right. I like that. I like that framing well, of it. If we do that too many times, the anger of the Lord there you go. starts that's to true. rise up. Even in Moses, he, so well, you've got to be careful. I think, I don't think it was in a sense of Moses being, um, this, uh, I can't think of the word I want to use, but I don't think it was negative. I think you know, when you have a really close relationship with someone, you're just talking about this. Yeah. 
you know, so Mo, God says, you know, I'm going to do this. And then God, and Moses says, okay, I'm, you know, I'm holding you to what you're saying because if you don't go, I'm not going. You know, I, I just don't, I don't think it was sure. so being a smart aleck or. <laughs> I can't do this by myself. Right. I think yeah. he was just reiterating, yeah, this is not going to work any other way. And, a, and again, it's like you said, when you know somebody really well, it's that, that intimate relationship where it's like, well, the Lord knows he's not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but Moses is so exasperated. He is so right. he is out of patience. Totally out. Yeah. Right. He just killed three thousand men. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was still wound up. That's right. I would be too. Oh man. That's no, it's true. Ways. <laughs> the, Lord was, the Lord was allowing Moses to stay humble by the way he acted and supported. Moses right. through all of that journey because they did not follow him. There was always that time when God would move and they would follow God because they would follow Moses because of God is what right. I mean to say, but not because of Moses. Yeah, and uh, that kept Moses pretty humble. Right. He well, knew that that he knew that he was not the leader they were following. Absolutely, and that's and you think about him as a person and all the times that he was doubting himself yeah. and saying, "Well, I'm not good enough for this. Like, yeah. what? Nah, you don't. Certainly, you don't want to send me." And so it makes a lot. It does make sense too. To also, like, he was really even here standing the gap for yep. the people. Yep. Like Sixteen. He's like, "So are you going to do this for the people too? I mean, are you going to prove yeah. that you're with this uh -huh. for the people's sake?" Right. He was always bringing that up. Yeah. Oh, I like Moses. Um, ooh, I love it. This is so good. Um, well, so as a result of this, I won't necessarily dig into, I went on to Exodus 34, and I did skip a bit. Um, this, the thing that, well, so actually 34 is where this actually happens, but we don't actually see an account of it so much, um, except that I, I like that the Lord's like, like, okay, you got to go make a couple more tablets since you broke the others. And he did say that. He's like, do you remember the ones you broke? You're going to do some new ones. Bring those. Make sure nobody's around. Um, and uh, let's see. And, and yeah, it, it does show the Lord coming down in that cloud. I know that they use Yasab. The Lord stood with him, which is similar to that other word from earlier that uh, Nasab, which kind of has that stationing oneself, presenting oneself. That's what the Lord did there. And then it shows what the Lord declares when he declares the name of the Lord, um, which you can see. Um, and then, like I said, Moses prostrates himself there as a response. Obviously, makes a lot of sense. And then as a result of this... We see, though, that, that that intercession is well. This is all part. This is all happening in the midst of him making intercession for the people. That the Lord's like, nah, I'm over it. But so, looking at verse ten, the Lord says, He said, "Behold, I make a covenant before all thy people." Um, actually, do I want to get into that one, or do I want to look before that? Yeah. Mar so right before that, though. Sorry, jumping back to nine. Moses is like, okay, if I have found grace in thy sight, O Lord, let my Lord, I pray thee, go among us, for it is a stiff-necked people, and pardon our iniquity and our sin, and take us for thine inheritance. 
So I wanted to point out again that if I have found grace in thy sight, but notice that this is the one spot in all of these, this scripture here that instead of Yahweh, he's using Adonai. And it's twice. So Moses says, oh Lord, let my Lord. He says, Adonai, Adonai. <laughs> Which again, recalling this, Adonai is that placement and assignment of the people of God. It has that, that element to it which is a partnership with the Lord's will and what he's doing, um, which I could delve deeper into. But I just thought that was an interesting, we have this amazing, incredible mystery experience here. And then the reaction is, I'm, I'm using a different name for you here. And Lord, can you please go with us? And so from that point is where the Lord makes this covenant um, and so, and actually we taught, he talks about making this covenant because I'm making this covenant with the people and, and actually after this here in a minute, it goes into all those observances that they have to do, all the sacrifices they need to do, all the different things. And then Moses then is led to write down the 10 commandments, the covenant, um, but uh, as part of this, though, it's interesting. It's just really interesting to see the, 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 fina the final, the completion of this here, where he says this covenant, and actually, if you look into the next, uh, he calls upon Adonai, and Adonai makes this covenant with the people, and then he says, hey, observe, meaning, and that's Samar, it said a couple of times here, beware, watch, or guard. He's like, you need to watch this, and actually, he... He's talking to, uh, you would think like, make sure you guys watch out, but no, there's a couple, at least one spot where he says, guard yourself. Um, here it's observe or guard that you, all that I'm commanding here, I'm gonna drive out these other peoples. But he says, once again, guard or beware, watch yourself that you don't make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land. And he says it again in verse 15, Unless, unless you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land. And both of those times, it's, it, it, what's interesting is it's, there's this element of a spousal relationship between God and the people of Israel. And that's actually, um, when I looked into the, this covenant, it said it's a covenant with God, warning against covenants with other people. Um, and that how actually, well, I'll talk about the down. I'm trying to, trying to kind of go around because I know we're out of time. Um, but at the end, you're saying, lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land, what happens when they make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land is then they start, I'm using the word, it's in the scripture, they start whoring after the other gods. Which is interesting because it's not, to me, I was looking at this and it wasn't, don't make a covenant with the other gods. It's don't make, the, make a covenant with the other people because that's going to lead you into this word for whoring that's repeated a number of times here is zana, which is to commit adultery. When I think of that word whoring in English, I think prostitution, right? Which is different from committing adultery, which is being unfaithful in a marriage. So, but they, when I looked into that, it talked about the people of Israel being considered as the spouse of Yahweh. And so it's really interesting that the, to me, where you're looking at all of this culminating into this covenant that God makes with these people and saying, hey, this is a covenant. This is a marriage. 
don't go chasing after these other people. Don't let them in. Don't let them start making you stray to the point of adultery in this relationship, um, which we saw it so many times. It still happened. But, um, but yeah, it's just really, I don't know, super cool that this cool uh, episode, that this intimate thing that, that Moses had with the Lord there, then leads into this great covenant and this, I don't know, trying to bring the people into that intimate relationship similar to what Moses had, which unfortunately most of them did not step into or want, which is is mind-boggling. I will just note that following this, it actually says that Moses fasted for 40 days and nights and didn't eat or drink anything. Um, And then he had the thing where his face glowed, it shone. Um, And I thought another nice thing was that whole thing with him wearing the veil when he'd go see the people. But then when he'd go in to see the Lord and communicate with the Lord, he would take that veil off. And I wondered why that happened. I I know we've talked about it before, and I, I always have kind of, it's been my understanding that it's that the people made him put that veil on because they were afraid, but it didn't necessarily say that they told him to do it. That he they were afraid, and then he put this veil on. But I also wondered too if that was really a way for Moses to preserve the purity of that that manifestation of that glory of God, and then when he's there and it's just him and the Lord, then he can remove it. And it can just be that intimacy. But I don't know. That was just, I'll leave you with that, I guess, unless there's a thought on that from, yeah? I was going to, can, can I rewind just for a second? No. Yeah. Can I fast forward? You can, you, can, you can rewind or fast forward, whatever okay. you like. I think it's really important, you know, we had just concluded, I mean, for us, when we read the Bible, we see chapter breaks. Yeah. This is someone's lifestyle, and there's no chapter breaks. <laughs> there's no, uh, you know, uh, chapter one, one dot one. And so sequentially, after he concludes chapter 33, and, and the Lord says, all my goodness is going to pass by, I believe chapter 34 is a manifestation of the goodness manifesting and Moses writing the Ten Commandments and it's really starting to manifest and that is helping him with the understanding of what he just encountered in chapter 33. And um, I just think that's really important for us when whatever we're walking through because so many times like Pastor said you can explain this to people over and over again but if they don't have a spiritual grid it's not going to ever stick. I mean, it's it's going to be it's going to sound like nonsense to them. They're going to think, "Oh, you're a babbler, you're a blasphemer." They're going to all these labels they're going to give to us because they have not committed themselves. They talk about it all day long, but it ain't, it's not about talk. It's about action. When God sees a person on the deep in the deep place inside of them, like He did with Moses, He knew Moses' heart. 
he, he already knew that um, his childhood, how he was going to be kind of tossed about, out and put, put on the water. And I mean, think, I mean, think about all the, the things that happened in his life and it kind of, um, I, I just think it's fascinating because God's doing the same thing with all of us. We encounter things that are like, Sorry for saying this. I'm not being sacrilegious, but we just, we, we, OMG, man, this incredible experience is going on. I, I have an idea of some things that are happening, but I, it seems very dark. I don't understand. And all of a sudden, something, something happens, something's removed. I eat a hand, and all of a sudden, wow. Yeah. All, stuff, all the goodness starts to really manifest after the encounter. And, it might be immediate, like you know, Tammy was kind of alluding to. You have no idea. It can, it does, but sometimes it's like months later. I think it, the things we interceded for 20 years ago, I believe, where things are manifesting because of that intercession and that partnership and that standing on that rock. And now, I mean, we don't always associate it to that, but you have to know that... Um, it's just very, very interesting to see the things that are in the scripture God is letting us experience in him. Well, and I would say, too, it, it's very, it makes me think of just our book of remembrance. And then when you look back at stuff and you see, oh, oh, I see. Like, I, this was happening and then this happened. And you don't, when you're in the moment, you don't necessarily see the correlation of, like, of how things flow and and kind of completion of things but then you can look back and kind of see like wow okay that makes sense uh, you don't necessarily connect the dots till later but no I agree I absolutely agree um, you connected in Monocost <laughs> <laughs> a new well like a new coloring book for Monocost children connected to Monocost dots you know you mentioned about the veil and when I've been studying about this this past week, and I, it's just one of those things the Lord's been having me study about, but he hasn't said to do anything with it yet, but you just mentioned it. You know, last week we were talking about the Spirit of Christ, and, he, and, and we talked about, um, in Hebrews, it, it says something very perplexing to me in a way. It, it equates the veil with Christ's flesh. And, you know, and we know when Jesus died, the veil was, you know, of the temple was ripped in two from top to bottom. But really, <laughs> Moses wearing, and you have to go through all the veils in, in Scripture. And the first one was Moses, when they said, you know, you go up there, you put the veil over. And then Paul said that these people that I argue with in the temple, or in the sanctuary, in the synagogues, they still have the veil over them, which always amazes me when I hear people, and I, I mean this in the kindest terms, who are always wanting the church to go back to things that were formulated by Messianic people in the, in the intertestamental period and beyond, when they very clearly have the veil over their face. Right. But, you know, the point, though, is is that if Christ, as Christ, not if, was the veil, his flesh was the veil, 
that means that the, that he was he was fellowshipping with the Father, doing what the Father wants, but his flesh was showing the people um, a depiction of what was going on behind the veil. So when they saw him, they saw the Father, but they really didn't see the Father because they couldn't go to the Father yet because, you know, they had to accept him as the <coughs> crucified Lord and the risen Lord before they could go to the Father. But they're seeing the Father, and Jesus said that. Well, what was that? The depiction of what he had encountered with the Father and what he was doing. Whatever I see my Father do, I do. His flesh was the veil. And so for Moses, it's like the flesh was just, the veil was just the personification of what he was doing after meeting with the Father. And so when Moses, you know, he had the veil in the tabernacle, and, you know, David had it, the temple had it. It was always that invitation, there's something going on in here that, and maybe the covering of his hand was that veil. I'm, I'm just saying that. I'm not telling the scripture for that. But it's it's just perplexing because you have, you have these facets. You have God wants to meet with you. Jesus came so that you know, the veil is rent. You can go in and meet with God. But but the depiction of that is is always what we are. We're the body of Christ. If his flesh was the veil, and the Bible says it is, then we are that. I mean, you, you could say one plus one equals two. You can't you can't deny that. So if we are the body of Christ, his flesh is the veil. Now in Jewish terms, the veil was rent. God said, okay, I'm done with this old covenant. You come and know me, but only through the one who just died up here. It's, 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 it's kind of a bombshell to let this hit our mind. But when people see us, they should see the Father. When people see us, you know, that veil of who we are should represent what the Father has given us to do. And it should say, how can I know that? Like Mark was saying. But if you're not praying in the spirit, with your spirit, if you're not letting that friend be developed and that be your understanding, then you do something that Mark referenced last week, uh, that the disobedient ones are, are a perversion of that phroneo. <laughs> that's the word that's there. So anyway, it's a big subject. You're, we've led you way past time, so. No, that's okay. I love it, and I let. Thank you for sharing that. I'm excited. It, it always encourages me when it's like, well, this is something I've been studying. Yes. <laughs> thank you, Lord. Um, well, yeah, I know. I knew when I brought this, and, and as I was praying about what to teach on, I, I really felt the Lord say uh, that. It, needed to be a little bit different and I was like I don't know what you mean but I think honestly just bringing this kind of big this this scripture that has so much to unpack that really can't be fully unpacked you know uh, because it's so it has such a depth of who God is it's just that mystery but I, I wanted to make sure you know to bring it forward and I, I'm happy with a lot of it I'm happy we got to dig into the meat of it um, 
So I, I guess what I'll do is I shall close and I'll just close with, with prayer. Lord, we, we thank you that we can be your friends. We thank you for the mystery of who you are and that you reveal yourself even in the smallest bits here and there, the bits of your glory. We are so grateful for the privilege to seek you and to know you and to get to witness such wonders. And I pray, Lord, that you would continue to allow our spirits to ruminate on this. Lord, I pray that you would continue to reveal um, more and more of who you are through this and through our, our constant searching for you. Lord, we love you and we praise you. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.